feels like it's been a year since we've done this, but uh, happy new year, motherfuckers. We didn't do it <laughs> since last year. So, yeah, I guess so. Uh, it's 2023, the first episode of 2023, the first of many. Uh, I had a good break, man. I, I It was almost too long. I had like a month of work off. And I say that like in quotations because mm. I worked quite a bit of it. But at the same time, was like I didn't have to like show up to the office or anything. Um, and then I went on a little vacation, which was fun. So a lot of family you go? went to Indianapolis where all the fam is from. Hung out with my brother, friend of the show. Uh, he gave me fucking baller Christmas present. He gave me. The, I was like, can you tell us what it is? So we have to guess. Yeah. No, he gave me the the thing. John Carpenter's The Thing comic book expansion. Remember back in the day, Dark Horse released like an eight series issue that was a sequel to John Carpenter's The Thing. Not only do I remember that, I multiple times have looked it up to see if it's been collected, and I don't think it's ever been collected in a trade. It has never been collected in a trade. It's pretty hard to find now. You can find like digital copies online and stuff, sure. But he gave me the re- he found the real thing at a comic con. Like at a, like a local like little crate diggers paradise comic con type thing, and he gave them to me, and I was like, "Holy shit, that's, that's a awesome, good brother! That's a good present." And he also got me the Todd McFarlane Norris monster, which is pretty fucking cool. Oh, nice! Is yeah. that a movie maniacs? A movie maniacs still in package, still not broken into a million little pieces of plastic like most of my other movie maniacs toys, because. Todd McFarlane made beautiful toys, awesome toys. I collected all of them, but they all have the same flaw where they turn into shattered glass within 10 years. <laughs> like, I can't even, like, I have I have a mummy that's in a pose, the Todd McFarlane monster mummy, and if I move his arm, it just breaks into nine pieces. So it's just like, just, just glass. Stupid. I'm excited about your comics. I, mm. for me, I used to read, you know, Aliens, Predator, and Terminator comics back in the 90s, and those were all Dark Horse properties yeah. at the time. And I don't remember ever really reading a full series of any of those things, but I would just read whatever I could get my hands on. And I remember the house ads at the end. And specifically, I remember Aliens vs. Predator, Batman vs. Predator, and The Thing. And I don't remember if I'd, if I'd, re- if I'd seen the movie that John Carpenter's The Thing at the time, or if I just didn't correlate that those two things were the same thing. But I remember some of those images of, you know, thing type creatures. And I was like, yeah, that's fucking gross. Like, that looks gross. But also like that little kid uh, train wreck intrigued, right? Like, why do kids watch horror when they know they're going to get scared? Because it's fucking cool and it's taboo and it's intriguing. And that's what those images, I, I forever have those images burned into my head for yeah. those reasons, you know? Freaking awesome. And then I, I don't know if I did I talk about it on the show, what my wife got me like weeks early. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. It's not kind of that. It's not that kind of show. <laughs> uh, it's not my birthday. Uh, she got me a, uh, a an original 1977 Japanese Star Wars poster. Like, uh, oh, yes, you've mentioned that a couple of times, which makes me think you're really uh, excited about it. Well, it's framed and up on the art wall at home in our stairwell. Like, in the front stairwell, not even like on my art wall in my like in my office where I get to put tie hard my my tie dye. Do you want to give Kate a shout out for that little video that she <gasps> and Sammy made? Yes. Oh, so she sent me this video when we got it when we first got it. My my little daughter's pointing at things and she points. At, you know she's two, so she points at everything as like names it. Hey, that's an apple. Hey, that's a banana. Hey, that's the refrigerator. Well, she's pointing she at says, this. Hey, every time. Yeah, <laughs> she's pointing at this picture and she goes, she goes. It's a moon. And my wife goes, 
that's no moon. And then turns the camera to like <laughs> pull a face like, Oh, and I was like, that's, that's awesome. And also like, how did my two year old set her up so perfectly for that? <laughs> it's in the blood, you know, she's funny moon. and she also knows what's going on. Yeah. Good. And it was, the timing was impeccable. Like, I don't think like most of the time, anybody who has kids knows you can't time shit with them. Like they're making a funny face. You pull out the camera, they stop making a funny face. You try to get anywhere on time. It doesn't work. You try to get them to tell the same joke. They just told you in the same thing. Nope. They won't do that. But like, this was just one of those moments is perfect timing. Look, a moon. That's no moon. <laughs> Kate, Kate was right there too. A I have star. nothing but respect for Kate from way back when, when she got us, Kate got us a pizza one night. Remember? When we lived together, she she was in lived in, in wait where is she in Indianapolis? Yeah, and in, she in, in, ordered in. us a pizza. Yeah, um, yeah. So that was that was super well timed, and, and you she put deserves... mayonnaise all over it. Yeah. <laughs> Gross. Yeah, it was good though. Um, I got a cool shout out and a yeah. cool little story. So you guys know I like Punisher. I'm a big fan of the Steve Dillon Punisher stuff. Starting over the summer, I did a deal with someone in the UK who had a shit ton of Punisher pages. And I ended up like essentially brokering a huge deal, something like 25 pages. It was thousands and thousands of dollars. It was the hardest deal I've ever done. It was just, there were so many moving parts. Everyone on this end was pretty good, but there were times where things were complicated needlessly. Most of the people that I was working with here that I was distributing to were really cool. One guy named John Espinoza and I hit it off. He's a huge Punisher fan, he's an action figure collector. Um, and we just like started to talk about fun shit, not just art deal shit. And he's like, oh, you have a podcast? He started listening to the podcast. He was like, you guys know My Bloody Valentine? I was like, yeah, we know My Bloody He's like, that was like my movie growing up. He was so excited to hear about that. Um, anyway, this art deal lasted, it lasted since the summer, since June. I've been working on it. I just finished it this week, literally. Um, but me and this guy have kind of become like comic art friends through that. And he's like commenting on episodes and stuff that you and I have done, Rumi. He sent me a little present. I got a box in the mail from him. I open it up and it's a it's a Nekatuni Terror minor action figure. And he was like, hey, man, thanks for helping me, you know, with a cool deal. I thought that was a really slick move for a dude to do. I've only gotten a couple like thank you or like, hey, glad we're same type of nerd gifts. But it, like it came completely unexpected. It really like it literally was yesterday made my day. And I was just like awesome and john thanks for that but i also was like fuck you dude because we've had this whole conversation about not getting into new collections and now i own <laughs> i almost bought did you see the american werewolf toonie terrors double pack yeah that has that has his buddy in jack, in jack. yeah i almost <sighs> bought that the other day and i was like no i can't get into new collections but now freaking john got me a minor figure yeah. Door is open. <laughs> right. So I have most of the Toonie Tears on accident because people get them for me. They're like, it's not as like intense as yeah, buying yeah, you yeah. like a real action figure. So here's a Toonie Tear. So I have a bunch of them. Didn't mean to collect them, but sure, I got them. I got the miner back there if I was actually in my real room and not using it as a Zoom background. Um, they better make a real Jack figure, like an ultimate Jack figure, because I got you always say that you're right. That would be a bitchin' NECA figure. Sure, they gotta do a NECA. I know you're Jack listening. from American Werewolf in London. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give one more shout out and then we should probably start the show. Longest intro ever. Yeah, I was going to say, I was wondering how we were going to edit that together. But yeah, let's do it. Uh, one more shout out. I got a big, a big shout out to uh, uh, homie Phil. Um, he's a director down here right now and he listens to the show. He's been he's like he's an editor on Fear the Walking Dead. I've known him for years. He's been trying to beat my pinball score in the Burbank 
uh, in the Burbank offices and um, got pretty close. I don't know if he ever actually did it, but uh, he's he's like, I would be editing and just putting stuff together and listening to your show. And I was like, that's amazing, dude. Nice. But he, he's directing an episode now, Fear the Walking Dead, which is super awesome. Congrats to him. And uh, thanks for listening, man. So this is a shout out to you. So maybe now when you're editing the episode that you directed, you can check this out and be like, oh, they thought of me. <laughs> Part of me hopes that he's like kicking ass at pinball right now while he's listening to that. And when he heard his name, he was like, wait, me? And then the ball went right through his little <laughs> flippers. <laughs> <and> his, <laughs> ah, <shit. laughs> that would be fucking sick. All right. Uh, well, hey, like we said, Happy New Year. We got some fun things to talk about. A little carryover from the holiday. And um, yeah, why wait any longer? We've already drug it out this long. Let's get on with the show. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engines running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. All right. Welcome to Launchpad Podcast 2023. I'm Aaron. I'm Matt. And I think on behalf of both of us, from two handsome boys to you guys, we owe you an apology because our last episode was about Christmas movies, Christmas, mostly Christmas horror movies that we were kind of reviewing and giving you the rundown of what to and what not to watch this holiday season. And we did not even mention well, i think we might have mentioned but we hadn't discussed it or seen it yeah we mentioned violent it night. we mentioned violent night we said uh didn't have time to go see that shit hope <laughs> it comes on streaming soon well the like the day after we mentioned that we didn't go see it it came out and we should have watched it dude i saw uh, it in theaters twice since twice it, i saw it one like i was supposed to see it with two friends one of them backed out at the last minute so i had a date with the other friend my friend rachel we went we watched it and we're like that movie is fucking awesome it was a great date night <laughs> to go see Violent Night. David Harbour just fucking shit up. Then the other friend, my buddy Nick Wari, was like, oh, you did see it? And I was like, yeah, but I would see it again. He's like, tomorrow? I was like, I would see it again tomorrow. And now that I've seen it twice in theaters, if someone was like, hey, would you go back and see it again? I would say, fuck, fuck yeah. yes. This is a movie I will watch anytime anybody wants. I haven't been so happy at a movie in a long time. Like, I describe this as a chef's kiss. Like, mm-hmm. is it perfect filmmaking? No. Nope. Would you change but, a thing? No. No. Nope. Here's the thing. Here's a movie that you pump that balloon so many times. That <laughs> your failings don't bother me. A movie is killing it so hard, making me so happy, doing so many things right that everything it does wrong, you can't bug me, can't phase me. I love this fucking movie. Mm-hmm. First of all, I went in pretty blind. I had seen the trailer, but like sort of. Sure, I, okay. I did not know this was about actual Santa Claus. Oh, you thought he was just a, a guy in a Santa suit? I thought it was Die Hard with David Harbour dressed as a guy pretending to be Santa Claus at a at a party for rich oh, people. Oh, no, see, I knew what it was. I did not know that he was actually Santa Claus. And in the first five minutes, I was like, <gasps> <laughs> that must have been a great feeling. Great. A Christmas miracle, if you will. And and the the movie opens with him at a bar drinking, being like, I hate being Santa Claus, fucking hates it. And right then when I was like, wait, 
he's actually Santa Claus. <laughs> this movie is off to a good start. And then as he flies off on his fucking reindeer and the bartender's like, hey, buddy, what are you doing on the roof? And he flies past and goes, ho, ho, bleh. And There's like this magical moment where she looks up <laughs> and she realizes he's the real Santa Claus and his drunk ass leans over the side and routes all over her. And it's like, it's, you know, you could study that scene in a film class for what an intro to a movie should be. Because at that point, you know exactly what movie you're watching. There is no question as to what you're going to watch, right? Um, I knew that he was the real Santa, but the next like half hour is, it's just as good as the action. Before we get to the action of this movie, David Harbour is a disillusioned Santa Claus who, while he's in the bar, is he's like, he says that kids are greedy little monsters and he goes, they're just, they're just little shits. And it's, he plays it. It's my favorite thing I've ever seen him do. He is so fucking good as this big, brutish, sad, just disillusioned Santa. And he, he hints that this might be his last Christmas ever. He gets up from the bar and as he's leaving, he like on second thought turns around, reaches in his bag and tosses a present to the bartender. And he's like, give this to your granddaughter for me. Save a trip. Save and me a walks trip. out. And it's like, first of all, that's really fucking smart. Like, it's very funny writing that he, drunk Santa would say, save me a trip. And he delivers that line so perfectly. There's a montage of him delivering presents as, you know, he's really Santa. And, you know, there's things that say gift cards. And he's literally throwing a handful of gift cards <laughs> at a wall of stockings. He's not putting them in. He's just like, <laughs> just fuck this. Him. Yeah. Oh, he sees so a Christmas tree that has a bunch of Amazon boxes under yeah, it yes. and they're not even wrapped. And he just <laughs> takes the present he's holding and throws it into the tree. And it, like, <laughs> it really is beautiful directed. I mean, I'm assuming it's written that way, but beautiful writing, beautiful direction and amazing acting by him. And he just creates this wonderful character. Uh, it's just fucking drinking bourbon with a yeah. homemade cookie. And he's like, pairs well <laughs> he delivers the best i don't know what would you even call this but like efforts he delivers the best uh like when he's hurt <laughs> like he gets shot stabbed drinks a bunch and then he just like he gives these moments where he's just like oh uh, like groaning from the pain and the weight the burden of being alive and he does this multiple times through the movie where i'm just like i don't think anybody can deliver a Pained groan like David Harbour at this point. Like he, him and Santa Claus drunk off his ass, shot a couple times, broken nose, bleeding everywhere, and just going, uh, damn it. You're like, I feel you, man. I feel you. He it, so it's tired. just so fun. Um, yeah. if you don't know what the movie is, it's this real Santa Claus. <clears throat> he ends up getting into this giant mansion at the same time as John Linguizamo and a bunch of other super murderous you know special ops guys take over this house this mansion because the family's supposed to have 30 million or 300 million dollars in the basement so john linguizamo is doing this very diehard two-esque siege and david harbour kind of gets caught up in it he tries to get away first and the fucking reindeers leave, leave him his ass yes stuck so and there's you know there's a a guy a terrorist kind of guy i mean the robbers i guess but terrorist guy comes in and they're fighting and David Harbour warns them like, you don't want to do this. So, I mean, if you, even if you haven't seen the trailer at that point, you know that Santa's 
somewhat of a badass. He kind of accidentally kills that guy. But there's a baller fight scene. There's a lot of baller fight scenes in this movie. Oh, good. But that fight scene itself takes, there's a lot of stuff that happens. I'm pretty sure seeing it twice in one take. And I think they did more than once. I think they did a long ass take where David Harbour gets knocked behind furniture and then a stunt guy jumps up from behind there and does a stunt. And, you know, they switch back and forth that way in the shot. I'm pretty sure I saw that in this first fight scene a couple times. But it's just he doesn't want to get involved. If that terrorist let him go, he would have just fucking He would have fucked up. There's one of my so so they do that. I love this convention that they have Santa's magic sack that he can reach in and pull out what somebody wants. And at one point, he's like, I need a weapon. I need a weapon. He's just pulling out stuff. He's like, don't any of these terrorists want like a Molotov cocktail or something? He's like, what does this guy want? Die hard on Blu-ray. Yeah, Blu-ray. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, look, it, it is a ripoff. It knows exactly what it's doing. It It's not shying away that it's it's a Home Alone. Uh, you know, it's 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 ripping off Home, home Alone. alone die hard. Yeah. It's it's aware of it, but it's it's winking at you in a way that you're like, I'm on board. Take me on this ride. Um, there's a little girl there who's trapped in the house uh, with her parents, and she, you know, still believes in Santa Claus. And they forgot to let her talk to the mall Santa to give her list of what she wants. She's really bummed. The parents are on the rocks. They're actually like, I guess, separated, maybe divorced, but yeah, yeah, they're, yeah. They're not together though, because clearly they're not together. So she wants them to be together for Christmas, but they're like, how about this? And he hands her a, like a walkie talkie that he found in the basement. He's like, you can talk to Santa Claus. He might not be able to answer. He's real busy. And she's like, okay. So she's periodically talking on this walkie talkie. But then after Santa kills the first terrorist and gets his walkie talkie and the little girl's like, Santa, are you there? He's like talking to the little girl and she becomes his Al from Die Hard, which is fucking great. And, and again, his acting and his delivery when he first takes that terrorist walking and he hears a little girl calling Santa, there's a shot of him questionably like puzzled, picking up the walkie talkie being, this is Santa with whom am I speaking? And it's just like, it's just perfectly delivered that a slightly inebriated Santa Claus who just killed a guy kind of by accident and knows he's in the shit is like, why is this walkie talkie specifically talking to me now to me specifically? And actually that's at the end of the second fight scene in which he puts a bunch of billiard balls in a sta- in a stocking, stocking and is beating the shit, shit out, out of a guy, guy. with it. Um, and then he ends up stabbing the guy in the eye with the star of at the top of the tree. And I saw this coming a mile away, but I could not wait for it to complete. He ends up plugging the end of the lights in and it electrocutes the guy till he's on fire. fire. Now, I saw this. In, he, the guy is, falls down dead. And the body is smoldering, and then the body lights on fire. Everyone in the theater started laughing. And this movie does a really good job of playing these brutal fucking things for laughs. Because we're just here, like, this movie is like, guys, remember, we puked on the bartender. We're just here to have fun. This is going to be silly. So even though this guy gets fucking butchered and on fire, we're having a holly jelly time. <laughs> and full of Christmas magic, full of tons of Christmas Christmas magic. This guy gets his head beat in with a baby Jesus. The little girl is like, my mom let me watch Home Alone. And Santa's like, I, I don't know what that is, but uh, traps sound good. Make traps. <laughs> and she 
they they also do a good job because they know you saw the movie that they know that you know they're ripping off. They do mm-hmm. a good job like fucking with you. So she sets up these traps, right? And the terrorists are looking for the little girl. And this was one of my favorite beats where I just I howled. And the bad guy walks up and he's like, We found the little girl. And they pan down. There's like a doormat with a bunch of nails and drill bits sticking out of it. And he's like, fucking idiot kid. Obviously, I can walk around this trap. And he walks up to the to the attic stairs that are down, and there's nails sticking out of him. He's like, he's like, obviously, I can just step around these. And he starts climbing up the ladder, and she had sawed through part of the ladder, just like in Home Alone. It breaks, his foot falls through, and then his jaw goes right onto a nail, and it comes out his mouth. Like, and you can see it. His mouth is wide open, the nails up through the bottom of his jaw, and his tongue's like, uh, uh, and he's stuck on it. And oh my god! And again, place for laughs. It's got it's that brutal. soundtrack is Home Alone music. So yeah. boom, 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 boom. But these people are getting fucking mutilated, bloody, graphic. But everyone in the theater, like you said, was howling. Because it just when when you watch Home Alone as an adult and you're just like broke his neck, broke his nose, no, yeah, broke he his arm, dead. dead, dead, dead. His head's on fire. He's in shock now. The only reason they're like even getting up after getting popped in the face with a goddamn paint can must be shock purely or cocaine. Maybe there was a bunch of cocaine. But yeah, it it was hysterical. I I was howling at, at the the Home Alone beats. Um, Chocolate Wazambo, man. Here's an actor that. I don't think I've ever been mad at a movie that John Leguizamo's in. Yeah, fair. And that includes uh, uh, whatever the, the... The jerk? No, no I was going to say... Steve Martin. What was his... The I pest. Was gonna, the pest. He was in yeah. the pest. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm not even mad at the fourth uh, um, zombie movie that, that um, George Romero made, Land of the Dead or whatever. <laughs> that um, Not that good, but John Leguizamo's in it. And he's phenomenal. To Wong Fu, thanks for everything. Julie Newmar. He can like, do a lot of shit, right? Like, I've seen... Yeah. you right. If you put any two movies together, he does play two different characters and he does it reasonably well. Like, I don't know if I want to give him an Oscar per se, but I believe, I believe. Yeah. Oh, you're right. I fucking forgot about that one. Yeah. Yeah. I give him an option. I'll give him an Oscar for that. He's he's good, man. King of cats. Fucking Luigi. Come on. (laughs) Like he does play a really good heavy in this yeah. right and he there's a, a boss fight at guy. the end he does a great job it you know oh, this awesome just like home alone fight. this isn't a real like obviously there's santa claus involved but this isn't real like we're not we're not playing in the um with the rules of real life here so he could chew the scenery a little bit and it's okay he doesn't have to act like um like what's his name in die hard he doesn't have to act like um fuck why can't i remember his name rickman alan rickman yeah we don't have to be that real, that grounded. And he's not, but he does it just enough. He's just enough without becoming too much and crossing the line. He hates Christmas and he's got a whole backstory why. And of course, he, he monologues about it. He's also the one that is slapping the other bad guys when they think that Santa Claus is using his magic to make snow and shit. It's just, he's delightful in this role as this mastermind who's thought of almost every contingency that this family could have taken to save themselves or get their money and shit. So funny. And he's got some really good, really terrible lines about call me Mr. Scrooge. And uh, all the terrorists have different um, Christmas oh, yeah. gingerbread, signs. Krampus, <laughs> um, Frosty, Candy Sugar Plum cane, Fairy, <laughs> pepper, Peppermint Jingle. Awesome. It's hilarious. I, yeah. 
so here's 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 one of my qualms. Okay. This is this is a qualm. This is something that I, it, it bugged me. But again, movie can't bring me down. Edie Patterson, who I like, she played mm-hmm. the shitty sister, who is the. It turns out they're like a super rich family. The mom might be a senator. I don't know. They're contractors. They have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And they're obviously vying for who mom is going to leave all the money to. The brother, played by Alex Hassel. And who is like a protagonist. He's like a main. He's the, yeah. the little girl's father. Um, and then Edie Patterson. Edie Patterson, for people who watch the show Righteous Gemstones, she is the sister in Righteous Gemstones and the exact same character. Mm. She does it great. She's doing the exact same gag here. That's distracting. And again, interesting. Not I'm not familiar fault. with that show or whatever you oh, just said. Hysterical. So I don't know. I was not. Righteous I, Gemstones me. is the exact same plot as this movie. But instead of whatever this family is doing with contract, government contract, war money, Righteous Gemstones is about a mega church and the legacy of this giant mega church mm. and who's going to leave all the church's money to the family and who's. And she plays um, the 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 sister in that of that family. It's the exact same character in the exact same scenario. Seeing her in this movie doing the exact same thing is really distracting because you're just like, wait, it, it. I don't know. It just it pulls you out of it when I get it. It's just a transparent overlap. And like when you hire somebody, I don't know about casting, but when you cast somebody, would you want somebody who like, hey, can you play this character or like, hey, just be you from that other thing you did? That's easy, right? It's like that. That seems tell that tell that joke you told the other day. That's what that feels like. Hey, yeah. man, remember that joke you told the other day? Tell him. Tell him. Like I already, <laughs> Do I already that told thing. that joke though. It's not bad per se, but mm-hmm. it just it feels lazy on the casting part. But like again, obviously she's the first person to come to mind for that role of entitled rich chick vying for her parents' money. It was weird. Um, the mom of this family is played by Beverly D'Angelo, who was the mom in um, Christmas Vacation. National Which I had to look up, but once I found that out, I was like, oh, that's amazing. It's amazing, right? She plays a total biatch. Uh, it's pretty funny, though. Pretty funny. Played for laughs. Again, again, terrible person played for laughs. Um, Alex Hassel, he was in the Cowboy Bebop television series, and he played um, Spike. Uh, or no, he played Vicious, which I freaking loved. And he did a great job. And in this, he like is fun-loving and, and everything. And he's like a big Shakespearean actor. Um so it's like it's funny to see these see all these other characters playing other versions of themselves or different versions of themselves and then her playing just like that other character that she does is very well known for trying to think if i don't i have one thing that i would like to change but i don't think it is a um i don't give it i don't take points away for them not doing it i just don't give them they're like they left a point on the table they could have gotten a point for that in my book yeah but i don't know that i would change anything do you have other you have other qualms, other things that are No, uh no, no, that's about that's it. it. Well, the other the other thing again is if if I ran the zoo, I would have added this. When they're opening the vault, play Ode to Joy, just like in Die Hard. Dun 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 mm-hmm. dun dun. And then the, the vault opens and it's empty in this version. That was a, a perfect moment to mirror the die hard of it all. That plot point doesn't make sense. So uh, but like I, I who gives a shit? Um John Leguizamo, the whole movie. She keeps being like, well, yeah, but you don't know that we have this kill squad that comes when I hit the panic button, which I've already hit. And he's like, yes, I do know. I know where they're coming from. He even said, I know everyone's dick size, but he's like, I know all about it. I know how long it's going to take them to get here. Turns out Die Hard 2, they get there and they're working together. But the whole time he keeps saying it. Hey, one of John Leguizamo's best lines is, I keep telling you, 
I know. I know all of this, which is like a cool thing. Yeah. He opens the vault and there's, first of all, I love the cartoony, there's only one or two dollar bills left on the floor. Like, yeah. what? And we don't know what happened to the money. The vault is empty, but I like whoever took it didn't take every bill. The couple bills fell on the floor and they were like, leave them. Um, it turns out that the the favorite son, who the whole movie has been saying, I want to get away from this family. I don't even care anymore. After tonight, we're not going to talk to them. I'm out. And clearly, he's got some ulterior shit going on. Turns out he was in there earlier and took all the money out, which yeah. I was like, I forget if it was 30 or 300. I think it was 300. It's a fuck ton of money. Yeah. Let's just say it was $30 million. That's a lot of dollars. And I was like, where did he put it? Where did he take it? It turns out he put it in bags and then put the bags on the front lawn and assembled a haystack manger around that for the um, nativity scene. I don't understand if you were taking that money, why you'd put it there and what his plan was to get it off of his mom's front lawn, especially if there was a point where she might realize it was missing. Why would you hide it on her front? It doesn't make sense. But fuck it. It doesn't matter. It's a good fight scene. A good shootout happens there. Um, I, I, I didn't quite get that, but like fucking doesn't matter. It, it was the shortest <laughs> line to two points. That was literally, I think. Sure. It. And it, at that, like you said, at that point, that the balloon was so far up in the air. Didn't matter. There was no bumps <laughs> needed to happen there. It was so high up in the air. And then it, it was so high up in the air. And then they added this scene where he's trapped in a barn. He thinks he's cornered by the mercenaries who have just shown up as backup. <laughs> and he finds his favorite weapon, Whoa. which is a sledgehammer. We get, there's a scene where he gets shot or stabbed or something in his gut, like kind of in his side. And there's this, and it's played straight, which I think was brilliant. Of him, he ducks into the wrapping room where they've been wrapping Christmas presents. And he does the thing where the hero pulls off his shirt and sees there's a big, he's bleeding. <laughs> and he grabs wrapping paper. He cleans it and everything and dresses it with wrapping paper and a big red ribbon around himself. But it's played completely serious. Even the music notes are serious, which is brilliant. And then he literally stands there for a second. He talks to the little girl and then he passes out. And when he passes out, there's a quick flashback slash dream sequence that pulls out from his face and he's wearing a Viking helmet clearly chaos. long ago chaos all around him yeah you start to see that he looks badass and then he wakes up and then later on he's talking to the girl and he explains that he used to be a terrible person he used to be this viking slaughterer who was mean and greedy just to do it and he had a weapon that he was like a surgeon with and it was his sledgehammer named skull crusher <laughs> which is a little too on the nose but at the same time that's what this movie is so the scene that Rumi is setting up, he's in this long ass stable and the guys have him surrounded and he looks up on the wall and there's the sledgehammer <laughs> and he comes in and you get this bitching sledgehammer face smashing face smashing fight scene on top of like a great musical number intercut with all this stuff with the family turmoil and it is just a badass scene and it culminates with him like Killing dudes with ice skates, using the ice skate blades as weapons, brutally murdering people, slicing off their heads, cutting their throats open, tying a guy with, is it a, what is the rope? I, I can't remember. Is it Christmas lights? Anyway. I think he just finds rope. He has a, a chipper shredder and he just starts like 
A, tying, it's like a snowblower. Yeah, he has these dudes tied up and they're tied, they're tangled up in each other, and they just get sucked into the snowblower, and blood's just spraying everywhere. It's just one of those scenes. It's exactly what you want it to be. He's he puts oh. on two ice skates and is using them like boxing gloves and just ch- ch- chopping people up. Yeah, he slams a guy against the wall and jabs a ice skate right at his neck and he le- it, he walks away and he leaves the ice skate embedded in the guy's neck pinning him to the wall and then the guy's body slumps out of frame and just the ice skate and head are left on the pole and it's just fucking brilliant and it's beautiful and again it's like one of those things and I, I think this is actually hard to do especially right now the whole fucking theater that I was in was cheering Rumi, how many times would we have high-fived if we watched this movie together? Oh, Barry like, would have left. Barry would have got just, up and left. <laughs> it was just so fun. The violence is so over-the-top and unnecessary and just beautiful that it's like, if this is the movie you wanted to see, you're going to have the biggest fucking Christmas boner. You could fucking oh. decorate it like a Christmas Put a star yeah. right on top. Okay. <laughs> This is a nice segue into what I want to do next about this movie, but but and we can come back to this movie in a little bit, but I want to do this right now because you kind of brought it up. Other movies that are on par with this, they don't give a fuck. They're having a blast of a time, and you and I are high-fiving our little Rocketeer hands off. Mm-hmm. Give me a movie that is on this level. Maybe not better than this, but is in this vein. I, got, I, would say I, I would say fuck you for putting me on the spot, but I just recently watched one that you and I saw together in theaters. Shoot him up. With, yes. Uh, yes. What's his face? Yeah. Um, Clive Owen. Clive, no? yeah. Is it? That was, yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. was, I don't think that was as high-fiving and as fun as this movie. This movie just blew it the fuck out of the water. But if you guys have ever seen Shoot him Up, it is a video game shooting fun movie where... Clive Owen literally moves things across the room by shooting them. Like, it's just everything he does is shooting. And it's cartoony, fun, graphic violence that you just like. There's a shootout that happens in free fall. Guys jump out of a plane and they're shooting all over the place and using bodies as shields in midair. And how do you not fucking high five during that scene? How do you not fuck yeah, yell and cheer when you watch that? That movie is, I think, a great example of what you're saying, right? A hundred percent. That is that is the second on my list of ones that we saw together that had me being like, fuck yeah. And that right off the bat tells you exactly what the fuck movie you're watching. Right. He kills a man with a carrot to the eye. In the first like four minutes of the movie. Uh, when we watched it the first time, people got up and left. They're like, I don't like this movie already. This carrot could not break off in man's eye. This carrot is much too flimsy to be a stabbing weapon. They did not like the carrot knife. I was like, they just told me it's a Bugs Bunny movie. He literally, yeah, exactly, exactly. He literally, what's up, Doc, this guy? It's Bugs Bunny <laughs> with guns. There's a scene where Clive Owen and Monica Belushi are fucking. Yeah. While a SWAT team comes in whacking them with like with with sticks and they're shooting at them and while they're banging they both have guns shooting over each yeah, other's shoulders. It's a naked <clears throat> fucking fight scene in a room and like they're pinning guys against the wall while fucking and shooting another guy and then they roll over on top of a guy and shoot another guy. It's just it's so fun. Like there's there's a scene where he essentially is in a car facing off playing chicken against a bunch of bad guys in a van and they he head-on collisions them, 
after taking his seatbelt off and shooting out his windshield, he flies out of his car in through the bad guy's windshield, lands in the back of their van and shoots everybody in the van. I mean, it's like, come on, Amazing. man. How could you? Not? That's a fun amusement park ride right there. That movie. I I love that movie. I have nothing bad to say about the movie. Sure, people could be like this. This didn't work, and this is implausible, and this is stupid, and like falling out of an airplane. How could you catch up with another guy? That's not how physics. I don't give a shit. The movie gave me enough fun stuff for me I'm not to doing laugh. a science experiment, yeah. bro. I spent thirteen dollars <laughs> to watch people shoot each other. The movie that I wanted to bring up actually is a two parter. I know. Crank and Crank Two. Yeah. Jason Statham has a heart condition that can only keep his heart beating if he keeps shocking himself. So he has to do increasingly stupid things to keep his heart moving with electricity and guns and shoot. And it is like taken, but like on a cartoon level. And he keeps having to shock himself. And then the sequel is like, yeah, that was fun. Let's dial this up to 20 and halfway through the movie, just have a kaiju sequence. Just a full on giant rubber man fighting in a miniature set kaiju sequence. They didn't give a fuck. Rumi, I've known you since, what, 2001? Yeah, 2002, I've known you maybe, for yeah. 21 years. Let's just say 20 years. Yeah. I've never seen you happier than the moment where Jason Statham transforms into a giant monster Statham and is fighting a guy in a power grid station in Crank 2, high voltage. Yeah. I've never seen you just with such a giant face boner of, <laughs> of, a, of a smile than that moment because a movie a movie studio executives read that script and said yeah here's a million dollars make that that makes no sense it doesn't fucking matter it made me so happy that people were mad People in the theater like we're leaving. Our at friend, that point. we went with our friend Barry, who was and he, mad. He, and he was mad that you high fived me. I high fived him. Yeah, <laughs> Barry I, was embarrassed that you. He wasn't even involved in the high five, and he was embarrassed. It was such a moment that like had no reason to be, but because it did, and because it was so wrong, it was so right. It's one of the rare moments that a movie makes the worst decision. Knowing full well that if you're on board, <laughs> you're on board. Like the movie was like, my boys are going to love this. Exactly. You know, not everyone in the theater is going to be on board for this scene, but my boys are going to love this. This is the equivalent of being at like a family dinner and they're like, you know, hey, Aaron, tell that funny joke you told. But instead you tell the joke that'll make your 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 bros laugh and the one that will not make your grandma laugh, <laughs> you know, here, here's a better example. The beginning of Eddie Murphy Raw when he's the little boy telling the doo doo joke, <laughs> yeah. and only Grandpa's Eddie's laughing. <laughs> that is the equivalent of turning your movie in the ding ding. <laughs> That's the equivalent of putting a kaiju sequence in the middle of your movie that otherwise has no reason to have a kaiju in it. I love Crank and Crank Two so much. I love Shoot 'Em Up so much. You know another one that's on that? Do you have any more? Give me another one. Oh, if off the top of my head, one. I'm trying to think. Uh, shoot 'em up was right there, and then once you said shoot 'em up was number two, I was like, I know that crank and crank two are going to be that first spot. I knew you were going to say that. Off the top of my head, I'm not sure. I have to think about it. What What would you put on that list as well? Hardcore Henry. Hardcore okay, Henry. Fair. Yeah, that was I awesome. Love that movie because it was just like fuck it. Let's be awesome. The, <laughs> the premise was was fine. It is what it is. I understand people like the helmet cam thing makes me sick. 100. percent 
that I is, get that. Not that, my deal, but I get why you might not like that. That is absolutely valid. And and maybe you shouldn't watch that movie. But as far as an action sequence where you said uh, Clive Owen and shoot him up jumps into the back of the scene, this was like, yeah, but we're going to film that for real. And you're like, wait, <laughs> yeah, right. what? Clive Owen did it with wires and, and, and VFX. And they're like, no, no, no. We're going to put a helmet on a stuntman and we're just going to do everything. The fight scenes and the stunts in, in Hardcore Henry are so out of control. There's moments that I'm, I saw it by myself, in my house by myself, and I fell off my couch. I, go, I was like, what the, what the, what, what? Like jumping off of a building through, through a skylight, like ramping off of a motorcycle, jumping down a bridge while a helicopter chases them. At one point, there's some like fucking Dragon Ball Z shit where there's like a hundred dead bodies. And the bad guy has some superpower, and he's lifting the bodies into the air so they're levitating. Oh, that's and right. The hero, Hardcore Henry, jumps from body to body and starts fucking up the bad guy midair. And I was like, what the fuck? This movie's so ambitious. Pulling it off. I'm having the best time. Take me on that roller coaster. Don't ever stop. It was awesome. I, I mean, I that's does it thing. have to be? Does the nature of those bonkers movies have to be action i guess not it just changes the flavor like i think a bonkers horror movie would have to be would have to have a heightened version of everything we wanted to see in horror right it would have to be a ton of, moves, the, yeah. ton of graphic kills that are fun that we see coming and are creative right and complex probably um i i think dead alive, lead- dead alive does that for me big time Big yeah, you're right. So it can. It doesn't have to. You're right. That's a good example. Oh, a lot of the Peter Jackson stuff would, right? Potentially, at least you ha- you argue. have to be having fun with it, though. Like that's that's the problem that I yeah. think later Peter Jackson, like Lord of the Rings. Well, obviously, that's a different director not, as a different guy. In my mind, isn't having enough fun with itself. Like Frodo's not winking at me. Frodo is tired and exhausted, <laughs> and I feel his pain. Um. Which is, you know, that's it. I'm not saying it's bad. I, I think Lord of the Rings is a, is an achievement in cinema, but you know, not not my not my my favorite. Uh, but right, yeah, his his early stuff, f- he's having a blast. This would be a fun. But Frighteners, like I don't. I wouldn't put Frighteners in the same category as Shoot 'Em Up or Crank. Not a I, not I a roller coaster. Dead Alive being in that. D- dead Alive is a roller coaster. Even Evil Dead, any of the ev- the original three Evil Deads, I don't think you'd put that in the Shoot 'Em Up level of like not high enough. five. It's awesome, but it's not high five worthy. M- maybe Army of Darkness. Maybe Army of Darkness is is that is that level. Um because it's by that time by that time in the franchise they're so deep in it. They know who they're talking to, they know who their fans are. You think that's why that more than the first two? And because yeah, it had a budget? Yeah. yeah, and and it's winking at you enough. Like it it knows yeah, yeah, yeah. Sam, Sam Raimi's tough though cuz it's like like I said these the roller coaster because the action gets your adrenaline pumping. And when sure, you yeah, feel yeah, like you're right. on a roller coaster movie the action gets you going. It gets you amped up. You're like, fuck yeah, fight yeah. And then whatever they're doing to punctuate that with the jokes that make you smile, the warmth of what when 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 they're having fun with you. Like, yeah, yeah. I think it's hard to do, honestly. I agree. Well, it's like it's almost like hitting that perfect sweet spot yeah. of a great shitty movie where like if it's too good, it becomes a bad good movie. If it's too bad, it becomes a bad, bad movie. Because um, I feel like, like, I think, I forget the number. I want to say it's Fast and the Furious 6 or 7. But the one where there's a tank at the end, and there's this crazy chase with a plane on a runway, 
that movie I was almost high fiving at just because of the amount of crazy ass stunts and, and sequences they had. I don't know what was high five worthy though. So that's too short. And if you do too much, it becomes drivel where it's just like now all you're doing is winking at me. All you're doing is thinking that you're funny and fun and that's not as fun. Yeah, you're right. It, there is a shitty movie quality to it where you're writing the line where you know you're doing it, but you haven't crossed over to the point that it's just exhausting. Mm. Um, hmm. It's mm-hmm. a bullseye, right? Because if you get it right in the middle, it's perfect. If you hit that slightly outer ring, okay, there, it's not perfect, but I'm enjoying it. Then there's another part that an, an, a bigger outer ring that, okay, that's fine, but I'm not, I don't really care. And then there's the bigger outer ring. That's the easier target that you're like, I'm not, I'm literally not interested in that because of how you came about it. Here's a question. What about a movie like Machete? Machete. See, to me, that, that to me, I guess the best way to say this, and this is might be a shitty way to, this might be a shitty thing to say, but I think it's a good way to at least say how I feel is I feel like that was a bunch of people with a bunch of money who understood what the people, what their audience wanted to see. But I feel like when you make Machete, they're not laughing and having the good time with us that your roomie, that you're saying shoot 'em up did and Violent Night did. I think I feel like a kindredness between me and those filmmakers because, like you said, I feel like we're all having a good time. I don't think Machete's production was like, this is going to be for us by us. I think it's like, this is this Hollywood Tarantino bullshit that. Only these people are going to like, but we know they're going to like them. Maybe. I, I like I liked the first uh, Machete movie. I thought that was pretty fun. Um, I haven't seen Bullet Train yet, but I've heard people say like... But did you high... Like, would you high five me if we watch Machete together? Maybe when he got on his bicycle, his motorcycle with the <laughs> giant like... <laughs> when he got on his... Yeah, with the Gatling gun, that 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 might be a high fiveable moment. Maybe. Um, Maybe I don't know. It's tough. There aren't a lot of movies that that deserve that level of high five. And I, like right. I said, I do think action movies have a better chance of doing it because you're like you're like heck yeah. I know a lot of movies that like yeah, but I also don't think movies are like. And at this moment, the audience will high five. <laughs> well, that's the other thing too. Is like Crank, Crank Two, Shoot 'Em Up, Violent Night. There's a lot of high fives in those movies. Yes, there's other movies and you and I think can name many movies where there's one high fiveable moment. There's one moment that it's like the rest of the movie was fine. But that one scene or that one line or that one graphic action or graphic kill or whatever deserves a high five or a fuck. Yeah. But the movies that we're talking about right now, the whole fucking movie is essentially that right. Shoot them up. You're right. There are specific moments where you literally high five me. But for the most part, we just, oh, wow, this fucking movie. Yeah, this movie, like the whole time, right? Yeah. Violent Night had one moment that I, so <laughs> I'm, I'm in Savannah right now. I literally have a TV at the end of my bed just because I set it up because I was like, I don't want to go anywhere. I'm just going to sit here and watch TV. And I'm watching it and it made me like bolt upright. And it's the final fight scene. He's fighting John Leguizamo. And I we saw know, that coming. Did you see it coming? Yes. And I got super excited when I saw it coming because like, do it. Fucking do it. So mm-hmm. in the movie, they establish how Santa Claus gets in and out of chimneys, no matter his size, no matter the chimney. He, he particleizes and comes down the chimney and reforms out of like sparks and smoke. And then to leave, just like in the famous poem, uh, the night before Christmas, he puts his finger aside of his nose and finally up the chimney he rose. 
and he turns into embers and sparks and smoke and floats out the chimney. Well, he's out in the woods beating the shit out of John Leguizamo. John Leguizamo's beating the shit out of him, shooting him, pumping him full of bullets, fucking him up. In like an old cabin, right? And John Leguizamo's got like an ice pick, an ice axe pick. Yeah. Fucking him up, gets him in the side. And David Harbour grabs John Leguizamo and there's like just a burnt out husk of a cabin with only the chimney standing. And he gets him over near the side of the chimney and he's bleeding out. And John Leguizamo says some great one-liner that I can't remember. Leans in to like deal the death blow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Be like, I want him to know it was me. And David Harbour Santa Claus puts his finger aside of his nose and they go, he turns into, into gaseous embers and flies up the chimney with John Linguizamo holding on to him. And John Linguizamo gets folded in half, shot up the chimney, and his torso gets split into pieces and shot out the top and lands in a bloody just splat on the ground. And it's like before, when, when David Harbour turns into embers and starts to go up the chimney, John Linguizamo is a horizontal person. <laughs> and he goes, kind of almost breaks in half and goes bump, bump, bump into the top of the chimney and can't fit. <laughs> And then there's a big bump and crack and he breaks backwards like the like the guy getting sucked into the pipe in it. And he breaks backwards in half so his head and his heels are together and he goes up and the whole audience is cheering. Then the camera whips up and David Harbour reappears or re-particleizes at the top of the chimney with the two halves of John Leguizamo. And it's a shower of blood as the two halves flump to the ground. And you see just two halves of a dead body. And it's just like, I'm sorry. If you weren't verbally yelling at, at that point while you were watching the movie, something is the matter with you. I it was, was so fucking perfect. I'm mad that I didn't see it in theaters now. I don't have time to do <laughs> bullshit, but I, I haven't seen a movie like that, like a reaction since we saw The Room together. Um, mm. it's, it's fucking amazing when, when a whole audience can get behind something and have a great time with it. That's fucking awesome, man. I, I and, think this is yeah. one of those movies, too, that the way it was marketed and everything, you, you should have known what it was when you walked in. And certainly, like we said, the movie does a good job in the first 10, 15 minutes. Even though the first 10, 15 minutes don't let you know it's going to be an action movie. The first 10 or 15 minutes movie let you know this is a good time. If you're some old fuddy-duddy who's going to worry about the image of Christmas or the way Santa Claus is going to handle things... Telling you now, if you can't handle your Santa Claus throwing up on a person, you're not going to like the next hour and 45 minutes, right? <laughs> not even a little bit. Not even at well, all. Can I tell you the one thing that I would have changed that I thought would have been a cool little thing? Yeah. Yeah. What would Santa's have been your got extra this, sense? Santa's got this list, the naughty and nice list. And it's literally like an old fashioned two scrolls that he pulls apart. And there's this like magical, it's almost like the floating uh, a luminescent blue screens and all the future technology, but it's just this red magic thing that well, when he looks at someone or is talking to or about someone, it says their name, whether they're naughty or nice, and little things pop up and show you if like what you did to deserve that. So like the little girl is nice. Uh, it said something like she even invited the weird kid to her birthday party. Is nice to everyone, helps her parents. So she's on the nice list. At different flashes, terror. He sees some of these terrorists, some of these bad guys, and they're on the naughty list. And it says some of the things they did, like John Linguizamo's was like lies and steals, broke his mother's heart, murdered his best friend. It shows all this shit. The final scene: uh, David Harbor. David Harbor goes on a sled and goes down a sled run 
and takes out a bad guy on a snow snow uh, pl- uh what's it called snowmobile snowmobile, snowmobile yeah takes that and is following John Linguizamo. John Linguizamo tricks him into crashing and they both fly into this cabin. They're about to have this boss fight in the cabin and John Linguizamo picks up the list, the naughty or nice list and he opens it and it has his name on it and says naughty and shows all the shit. And John Linguizamo looks up at him and he's like, oh shit, you are real. You're the real thing. And then the fight scene, a good fight scene goes on from there. I thought it would have been so cool if he picked John Leguizamo picked up that naughty or nice list and opened it. And because he was pointing it at Santa, Santa's name came up and Santa was on the naughty list. And it said like skull crusher, all that That would have been fucking cool to like, have him be like, not just, Oh shit, you're real, but Oh shit, you're naughty. And then have this boss fight. I thought that would have been a really cool fucking thing. It is kind of weird that it was on his name when he opened the list. That is kind Maybe of a bizarre. The, I mean, they don't really set the the cool thing too is here. They don't set. They don't explain a lot of rules. That's what I should say. Oh, even ex- David Harbour is like, I don't know. Christmas I don't know. Magic. How, like that's a yeah. running joke. Is I don't know I don't how know, it works. I don't, I don't know know how quite it understand it. And he never once. No one ever asks, and he never once explains how he went from brutal Viking slaughterer to San magical Santa Claus. At no point does he say why or how or when. Just I used to be like this. Now I do this. Awesome. I thought that was fucking great. Like, could this movie have been any better if they explained it? No, absolutely not. You do not need to know that information. No, but I want to, I do want to see it in the sequel. Don't you? Why is my mic crackling? It's like my, Other... my, 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 uh, the arm that holds my microphone fell off and I can't get it to reattach because this table sucks. And now my mic cord is being stupid. Oh, Woe is me, 2023. Man, unprofessional. Maybe 2024 will be my year. <laughs> my wife watches a lot of makeup tutorial videos, and it no matter what point of what video I walk in the room, it's always someone going, Hey guys, sorry, my dog's here today and she's barking a lot, so you're gonna hear a lot of that. Or sorry, my computer's being weird, so the audio's funky, or sorry, <laughs> this comp- like, don't don't tell me what you're doing wrong. Yeah. First yeah. of all, don't do anything wrong. You have a fucking subscription-based channel fucking reviewing makeup. Do your hard-ass job better. <laughs> this is your job now. Yeah, we don't get paid. You're lucky. You're lucky we sound this damn good. <laughs> well, Maybe if we start making money, I'll buy a new mic cord. Um, yeah, I give it I give it a huge, huge thumbs up. Two thumbs up for me. Would you have any hesitation of, watch, of, of re-watching it again? Like if a friend came over and was like, Oh, I've been meaning to see that. Would you watch it with me? 100%. Would you say no? Uh, Kate was like, I want to watch it. And I was like, yeah, let's watch it right now. But then we ended up going to bed anyway. Make so. it out. <laughs> ended up getting that birthday present. She yeah. came, out in, she yeah, came out in a Japanese Jawa costume. <laughs> Ooh, TD. <laughs> Ooh, TD. Um, yeah, I would, I would watch it again in a heartbeat. Absolutely. It's so funny. It's so good. And like, again, I like movies. I, I mean, I love the movie Krampus for the same reason. It's like it gets the jokes that it's making for Christmas movies. It gets the references that you know, and it's just ah, it's just good time, good time. I love it. And the the production company, I'm gonna butcher butcher it now. It's at eight seven productions. I don't know what about cool. them. What about them? They did all the John Wick stuff. Um, what? Yeah, it's the, let me. Uh, it's uh, eighty seven North Productions. I'm pretty sure that's the. Uh, fight and stunt guys 
who then became filmmakers because they made bitchin' action sequences. I'm pretty sure it's 87 North. It's the same thing. This one makes it seem like they have their own production company now. But it's all that Keanu Reeves like training for years and months to be like the best John Wick he can for that shit. And then really trying to make those fight scenes fun, believable, movie accurate, if not real life physics accurate. Um, so the I director, love- mm-hmm. the director has done movies that I really like. He did Dead Snow and Dead Snow 2. Mm-hmm. And he did What Happened to Monday, which is a bitch in action movie. Oh, I don't know that one. What two, happened? Uh, we've talked about what happened to Monday on the show. It is uh, what is her name? Naomi Rapace playing seven different versions of herself, and the clone work in it is incredible. The fight scenes in it are incredible, and just a really engaging film. I was I was pretty blown away by that one. I gotta check it out. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and and Dead Stone, Dead Stone Two are are good times. Josh Miller was a writer. Was he a Deadpool writer director? Um. I think I think. You're thinking of a different Miller. Josh Miller has wrote Sonic the Hedgehog and Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, I'm actually looking that up right now. It's like <laughs> the same fucking guy wrote Violent Night and Sonic. Good for him. Um, did you see the Chippendale Rescue Rangers movie? A new one? Yes. The no. one that just came out. No, I didn't. Fucking hysterical. So Pat Casey, who's the other writer, also did Sonic and Sonic the Hedgehog. Um yeah, the new the new Chippendale Rescue Ranger movie is fucking hysterical because it takes place now, years after the show's been canceled. Um, Dale has gone through a CGI surgery, so now he's CGI, but Chip <laughs> is still two D. Um, cartoon characters are being are being kidnapped and disappearing all over the place. Um, Monterey Jack calls him up in the middle of the night, the character from Chippendale Rescue Rangers, and he's literally a cheese addict, like like a crack addict. Come on, man, give me some cheese. I just need a little bit of that. I just want to smell it. And like he's in deep to the mob because of his cheese addiction, and they're going to kidnap him. He gets kidnapped, and they start like trying to find who the bad guys are, and it's all these classic Disney villains. But they're at this convention circuit. And across from them, he's like, hey, guys, good to see you again. Like, oh, no, don't look at him. Don't look at him. It's ugly Sonic. And it's Sonic before he got the CGI remake. (laughs) And he's got these hideous, like, human teeth. And he's just like, hey, I'm working on a pretty cool project for the FBI. And they're like, sure, you you are, Sonic. Sure, sure. Just ugly Sonic cracking the fuck up every single time. The movie's hysterical. The bad guy in it, the villain, spoiler alert, is is fucking Peter Pan, but he's all like fat and sleazy now. And it's just, I was dying. They go to this area called the Uncanny Valley, and it's all these like dwarves and stuff from from like uh from Lord of the Rings. And they're like, oh, their eyes, their eyes never look in the right spot. They're unmoving, they're unfeeling, they're unhuman. They're like, I can hear you, you know. Ah, I didn't know you were looking at me. Like hysterical. And it turns out that Peter Pan is kidnapping all these characters and then running on through this machine that bootlegs them that basically turns them into a shitty version of themselves and then selling them to like overseas to do bootlegs forever it was oh I, it cracked me up i thought it was really fucking funny but on the list of things i really genuinely want to watch but i don't know when i'm gonna get to it i gotta watch passenger 57 again what what's passenger 57 wesley snipes you never remember. saw Passenger 57? That doesn't mean I didn't see it. I've it's a nine, a nine, I don't know that it's anything special, but it's a 90s action movie. Wesley Snipes is like, I don't know if he's a cop or air marshal or whatever, but he's on a plane that gets hijacked. It's a hijack movie. 
but I remember it being like fucking cool 90s action. I remember mm. like the terrorists kill people, like they kill random people, you know, not just heroes or cops. They kill random people to show they're serious. Um, All right. I, I would watch I gotta this. I got to rewatch it. I don't think I've ever seen it. I like um, my buddy Steve, creator, co-creator of Destroyer, just gave me that on DVD. He's like, you want this? I was like, fuck yeah, I want that. I haven't seen that in, I don't know, 20 years. 90s action is so good, though. Like, there's just just an era. era Dude, I just like, rewatched The Last Boy Scout. That movie does not get enough credit. That movie is so fucking cool, so fun. It's so Shane Black. It's so Bruce Willis and so 90s action. It's just, it's a stay up all night, at, like during a sleepover and watch movie, you know? Yeah. Um, it, U.S. Marshals, that's the one that I really like. Uh, that's uh, the se- isn't that the sequel to... Uh, the fugitive. the fugitive yeah i don't know that i've ever seen that actually so in the fugitive franchise which we never got a third one for they love doing like really big action set pieces and in the fugitive what is the big action set piece it's the, the pla- giant the pla- waterfall thing right well the, the big the big uh plane crash right the plane crash in the fugitive anyway there's always a big action <laughs> set piece and uh, in U.S. Marshals, there's a really big, awesome set piece. Yeah, there's always a moment where Tommy Lee Jones has his gun pointed at him and they make this ridiculous escape. I didn't kill my wife. I don't care. Uh, in U.S. Marshals, it's Wesley Snipes falsely accused of some stuff and he goes on, a you know, escaping from, from Tommy Lee Jones. It's fucking great. Come on. Good Wait, stuff. what's the fugitive plane crash? I don't remember that. Uh, the plane crash is in U.S. Marshals. I apologize. Oh, okay. Um, I was like, in the what? Fugitive, it is. What is the big action set piece? Uh, is it a bus crash? Um, oh, I, yeah, yeah, there is. He's standing on top of a bus, and the bus, a train hits the bus. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it's a train. Escapes, it's the train like, crash. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. the train crash. Okay. Yeah, there's always just a massive, like, big set piece that's like, Whoa. I liked it. Yeah, I love I love that, that franchise. Fugitive is great, and I always thought U.S. Marshals was dope, too. So, I, you know, 90s action. Wesley Snipes, man. Good action star. Fucking blade series nothing wrong i mean a lot of people shit on the third one i'm not gonna say it doesn't deserve it i personally don't care you just like it because you're like everything mm, that sucks about this movie is made up for with ryan reynolds my boyfriend mm, mm, my boyfriend ryan reynolds is in the movie he made this movie and it is so good i love ryan reynolds he's my boyfriend you love yourself i wish (laughs) (laughs) ryan reynolds please comment on our show <laughs> um, dude, no, that movie's stupid at times, but like, I don't give a shit. Show me, and I know that you specifically have a lot of qualms with Dracula and some other stuff. I, I, I don't care. I, I mean, you don't need to have Dracula in Blade. I, I mean, I, if, if you do, you should have Halloween store costume Dracula from yeah. like Tomb of Dracula comics. It's go all out. Give me Widow's Peak, give me Medallion. Give me red and black cape. I want the whole fucking nine that's, yards. That's what I want. Yep. But like, honestly, you can give me stupid fucking demon Dracula with a shoulder armor. I don't care. You can give me the little yapping dog that has the mouth that opens up the evil Pomeranian. <laughs> don't care. The movie's just so fucking fun and cool. I'm on board. I mean, we should do, <laughs> we should do the Blade series because we got to talk about the three movies and then the Sticky Fingers television series. Sticky Fingers television series. Also really good. Like award winning? No. Was it way better than it had any right to be? Especially seeing how cool Wesley Snipes portrayed that character. Fuck yeah. I don't know. Like, Sticky Fingers could walk in this room right now. All right. He was a rapper, wasn't he? I mean, with a name like Sticky Fingers? 
I don't yeah. know him from anything other than that, and I don't remember really what he looked like. Also, he was ew. fine. Uh, ew, dude. Also, <laughs> why would you pick that? You oh yeah, Stanky that's, Fangos. That's <laughs> not a name that you pick. That's a name you earn. Fuck, <laughs> <laughs> dude. Uh, yeah, that that movie was great, and especially like, if you're like, hey, the last guy who portrayed this character is considered one of the the fucking coolest epitome of cool dudes on the planet. You think you can take up the helm and fill those shoes? Fuck yeah, I'm Sticky Fingers. Sticky Fingers <laughs> like, not only can I do it, I'll do it and pay my taxes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so in 2023, Blade series is coming. That's going to be a fun one. <laughs> the best, I, I love to think of all of our listeners, right? Some of them are just sitting here listening to us building a Lego set or, you know, playing with their action figures. There's other people who are like doing chores or driving. How yeah, old ahead. do you think our listeners are playing with Legos? Like 12, and 13. I think our demographic is about, we talk about dick pizzas and boner. I call, I said you had a boner face or boner smile. You think grownups are listening to this? <laughs> if 12 or 16 year olds are listening, I'm embarrassed now. Sorry. Right, be honest. Listeners, raise your hand if right now, within a 180-degree turn of your head, you could see an action figure. I mean, I know a lot of you are raising your hands right now, right? For sure. That's what I, I meant. That's like not arranging. what I'm I, I totally believe that there are people with action figures who are also building Legos. I just think they're all above 30. <laughs> but I, I, my, 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 my joke slash point was going to be, I think there are people who are very focused on the show right now who are listening to this episode. I think there's other people who are driving to work. There's probably other people who, like your buddy you said, is doing the editing and the directing. They're editing and maybe they have one ear on this and they're like, wait, weren't they just talking about a Christmas action movie? Then someone's like, how did they get to Crank 2? And now someone's like, how did they get to Sticky Fingers? <laughs> we earned it. <laughs> <laughs> Someone also is like, how did they get to 12 and 13 year olds? Unsubscribe. <laughs> <laughs> Report podcast. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, Rumi. Uh, well, it's time to blast this thing off because I still have to stay up and edit this thing. So it'll be out tomorrow. I'm pretty sure it's fine as is. Just let it go. <laughs> just going to let it ride. I literally am. I, it's 11, 17 p.m. on a Tuesday night. What else am I going to do? We didn't say any <laughs> sexist jokes. We didn't say any racist jokes. Mm. Close to pedophile, pedophilia a couple of times, but didn't go there. But we were joking. <laughs> it was the verbal equivalent of throwing up on a bartender. <laughs> you know what you're getting yourself into. <laughs> <laughs> oh now we're just goofy let's keep it running uh running into to 2023 Rumi, this has been great man uh guys you got to follow us on social media facebook instagram and twitter at launchpad pod and our website launchpadpod.com youtube check out our handsome ass faces in 2023 uh we looking good y'all i have uh, dumb hair but i like it you have the I hair that every hair Every like kid in the nineties had. Are you just gonna shave the sides now, just so you have like the butt head hair that like folds over on either side? It's like your your silhouette is more penile than ever. Don't say, don't say it too loud, or Devin Sawa will sue me. <laughs> 
I could kill for this hair. You know, I took I, I ran before dinner. I took a shower and I just put my headphones on right on top of it. And this is what happened. No. And you know what? I stand by it. You're not going to kill for that hair. You're going to watch an iron fall over and then your clothes are going to catch on fire. Then the light socket's going to out and then your window's going to break and then a tree's going to fall over. And just when you think you're safe, you're going to like drown in a toilet and have your asshole sucked out. I mean, like... <laughs> That's how you're going to die for this hair. Devin saw a joke. Final destination. I'm telling you right now, it would. there are times where I see a situation unfolding and I'm like, okay, yeah. the best possible outcome is this. I'm hoping that Devin Sawa somehow hears and sees this and comments on my hair in a negative <laughs> way and I will laugh. <laughs> but what will really complete my life is if Ryan Reynolds comes to my rescue and shoots Devin Sawa down, says, leave him alone alone he looks great <laughs> <laughs> oh my god uh, uh, oh so good dude we gotta blast this thing <laughs> off this is good good <laughs> we are the rocketeers and we are out sticky fingers ignition sequence start six five four three 